The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. What's up, Night fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. My name is Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez and Brian Murphy on uh, what turned out to be a busy early June Friday news dump day. <laughs> um, we're going to get to a lot of news that uh, went down today uh, in UCF land. Um, but uh, first, let's, uh, let's, let's take, care of the, uh, take care of the essentials. Um, we are at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret and on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. Um, you can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric at Eric Lopez Elo, Brian at Spokes underscore Murphy, and tell your friends about our podcast because we're about to do, um, we, basically it's, this is sort of a semi-emergency podcast. All right. Um, first of all, we owe you, we owe you our fans, the, an apology because um, we, we're intending to get this out, the show out on uh, Thursday, as we usually do, early Thursday. And... One thing kind of led to another, and then um, and then Eric was like, "Listen, um, let's do the show Friday." And I was like, "Why? What's going on?" And he's like, "You'll find out." So, uh, armed with that and ominous, out you did. armed with that ominous information, it came down uh, about lunchtime today uh, that Renee Lures Gillespie, uh, UCF's head softball coach since the reinception of the program in 2002. There was slow-pitch softball at UCF back in the day, but uh, that was way back in the day. But uh, Renee Lourdes Gillespie uh, resigned from UCF to take the head coaching job at the University of Iowa. Renee is a uh, Iowa native. She came to UCF from Texas Tech in 2000 to start the program, which fired up in 2002. Um, she uh, built the program up from uh, from basically an expansion team in the Atlantic Sun Conference, which uh, had a field down the hill from uh, Jay Bergman Field at the time, now John Uliano Park, uh, to 625 career victories, um, conference championships in three different conferences. I don't know how many coaches have done that. In college softball, um, uh, uh, seven NCAA appearances, um, uh, numerous conference honors for her players, all Americans, and several um, careers launched, no doubt, um, including, no doubt, two of the guys that you're hearing right now, myself and um, Eric Lopez. Believe it or not, so um, today's kind of a bittersweet day, Eric. Um, you broke the news earlier today uh, at Fast Pitch News and at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Um, I guess just give us the blow-by-blow. Blow. How did it all go down? Ugh. Well, I, mean, I guess I'm the hot seat today, right, Murph? I'm going to be drilled with questions. Oh, yeah, you're going to you're gonna get cross-examined today, buddy. <laughs> hope, hope you brought your big boy pants. Uh, first of all, she's the only UCF coach to have won in both in the A-Sun Conference USA and the American. So I, I, I can tell you that quickly there um look honestly iowa just you know i think from what i was told uh, from people and you know here's the thing i'm going to kind of set the record straight so i work for fastpitchnews.com fastpitch news uh is a major softball site mm -hmm. my bosses all reside in the big 10 so they have a lot of connections in the big 10 and obviously i know renee pretty well uh, i've known her for a long time so it's an interesting story in that regard because you always get fed a lot of different stuff and you kind of have to, in softball in particular, there's always a lot of stuff that's thrown out and all that stuff. Uh, Iowa opened their job May 16th, I think it was. And, you know, as they went through the process, I kept getting told by people and our, our staff at Fast Pitch News kept getting told, Renee's the top target. I'm like, okay. And I'm not surprised by it. Because uh, to be honest about it, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. She's, you mentioned Jeff, she's an Iowa native. Uh, she played high school there. She, uh, about, I think it was like 60 miles away from the campus of mm -hmm. Iowa. She's 20, uh, community college at Kirkwood. Um, 
one of her idols is Gail Blevins, the Iowa head coach. So I knew about all those ties. And I certainly, you know, her rumor, she's always been brought up for jobs anytime Iowa or Iowa State has opened up in the Midwest because yeah. of those reasons. Iowa should be, this- it should be noted uh, this past year went 21 and 32, 6 and 16 in the Big Ten. Go ahead, carry on. I'm sorry. They haven't had a winning season since 2013. They haven't made the NCAA tournament since Gail Blevins retired, uh, who's a legend in the sport. So, you know, as this kind of developed, and uh, it really kind of picked up a little bit when I was at Oklahoma City, the rumors and stuff like that. I, I didn't know that they had official interviews this week, and I did, you know, find out that Renee was definitely one of the people that was uh, a candidate to be interviewed. She was being interviewed this week. And, when I, and once I heard the candidates that were in the mix with her, I'm like, uh-oh, I think she's the best one. And I'm not saying that because I'm biased towards her. It's because she was clearly the best candidate. Yeah, I mean, you look at the short list and you're like, uh, she's she's got the resume. Correct. And so once, and then now the question is, uh-oh, well, what's the numbers going to you know play out? And then once I heard the numbers, it's like, uh-oh. And that's yeah. why I kind of told you to kind of wait till Friday. <laughs> um <laughs> This is the thing. This is a no-brainer for her. She's always loved that Iowa program. She grew up in Iowa, as I mentioned. Gail Blevins is her, her idol. As I wrote in the story, her high school coach is one of her idols. Who is? How do I? This will be. You could explain this better, Jeff. I compare him, the high school coach, who is a legend in Iowa, to Don Solinger in South Florida. For those that don't know, Don Solinger was a longtime high school football coach. Won the state title at Southridge, joined Butch Davis's staff at UM, and is a phenomenal recruiter. Yeah, that's basically who Renee coached under, or uh, you know, played for up there. And I would not be surprised if he is part of the Iowa staff uh, when that comes out. So her family's in Iowa. She always visits Iowa as the relatives. Her dad, who you've met, Jeff, is mm-hmm. in his early nineties. Thankfully, happy to report, is doing well. I bet he is now. But, <laughs> his daughter's coming home. Well, but here's the thing. He's in his early 90s. And, and here's yeah. the thing. He was in his early 90s. He moved down to watch her play games. But that meant he was away from his other family. Mm-hmm. And so there was a bit of a, you know, back and forth. Iowa and Orlando, which, you know, let's, you know, if you're in early 90s, that's probably not something you need to be doing. Right. So now everybody's together. And this was just an offer she couldn't refuse. Uh, they approached her. She never approached them. She didn't want to leave UCF. There was none of that. This was just an offer that you, I mean, honestly, Jeff, you, I, anybody would have been dumb to pass this up. Dumb Mm. to pass this up. She's going to be the third or the fourth high. The reason I don't know the exact list is because Northwestern is a private school, so they do not release their fine, you know, um, salaries and stuff like that. It's very, at least very hard to get it anyway. But my understanding is she'll be top four highest paid coach in the Big Ten. And that's, you know, you have family and you have a lot of resources at Iowa that, quite frankly, honestly, she doesn't have at UCF. So yeah. um, she got offered the job Friday morning and she took it. She told, obviously, her players and her coaching staff before that. That's why she resigned. And then she took the Iowa job. And... uh that's history as you know it. And she was in Iowa today, I think, if I'm not mistaken, right? There was some She's photos. been at Iowa all week. She's yeah. been at Iowa all week. Okay. She interviewed, as I understand it, Tuesday. There was a couple other candidates. Uh, it worked out because I think her niece is actually playing up there mm-hmm. this week anyway. Uh, so she was probably going to be there anyway. So, yeah, she was up there. I'm sure she'll be back and get some things and close things out before she moves up to Iowa City. But... I mean, again, she's been going to Iowa a lot with her family. It's a, it's a family move. It's the right move. And uh, I'm excited for her. It's a huge story in the sport. This is an Iowa program that has used to be – it's one of four programs in the Big Ten that have made the Women's College World Series and have fallen to hard times. And uh, they, they basically came to Renee and said, please rescue – you know, restore our program and, and, and the tradition. And when one of your idols tells you that, in particular, that's hard to say no. Yeah. Um, this is not the first time that Renee Lourdes Gillespie has been, her name has been bandied about in coaching rumors. I, I mean, you don't you don't stay 18 years at a school like UCF without your name getting and and winning as much as she did. 
um, <clears throat> without getting your name mentioned for a couple of other jobs. I, well, like you mentioned, has opened up in the past, um, as have another, years uh, ago. Uh, yeah, a number of other jobs that you know probably would have been quite attractive to her at the time. Why now? Why not? I mean, it would be the answer. I think the time is perfect. Uh, as I mentioned, I always kind of hit the, the skids. They're, they're in rock bottom. And this is the time right now. Like, this was her chance. This, is, this was the thing. If she didn't take this job, this pretty much meant she's staying at UCF for the rest of her career. You know, time's ticking. It's not like she's coaching for another 20, 30 years. I think this is going to be her last job, which is Iowa. And I think she's excited of trying to restore the Iowa program and bringing it back to its glory and being back to competing in the Big Ten and being back in postseason and trying to compete and get to Oklahoma City. That's what's missing. Here's the problem. At UCF, as great as it is, the way the sport is right now, you got to go to Gainesville and Tallahassee, even if you make the tournament, no matter what you do. And you saw that, Jeff, up close in 2015. At Iowa, you don't have to do that. You could, you could host regionals at Iowa if you're good. If you mm-hmm. win the Big Ten, you're in the mix, you're going to host because there's a lot of programs in Iowa that can bust there. And that gives her an opportunity to compete and win at that highest level. And I think that the, the opportunity to restore Gail Blevins' program uh, was, you know, too much to pass up. And having all your family there, her entire family now will be in Iowa. She doesn't have to have the back and forth of Orlando and Iowa back and forth and you know, it was funny, like earlier this year, I met her sister for the first time. I've worked there 11 years. I met her sister for the first time who drove from Iowa to watch UCF in the season opener when they played uh, earlier this year. It was the first time she's seen Renee coach in seven years. Wow. Think about that. Um, here's an interesting um, question that I thought about. So there's another guy in the building at Iowa uh, with ties to UCF in their past. I'm talking about Kirk Spira. Is uh, Did Kirk possibly have any sort of like, you know, go over to somebody and say, hey, you know, you might want to give Renee Gillespie a call? I'll answer it this way. Kirk and Renee have gone way back, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Renee originally... Uh, Arrived at UCF, it was Kirk that showed her the UCF campus. Yeah. They're very close. They're good friends. Let's just say that... Both that, from, that, from that, Iowa, if I'm not mistaken, right? Both from Iowa, yeah. Yeah, I would not be surprised uh, uh, if Kirk threw her name into the hat there. Absolutely would not be surprising. And uh, why not? I mean, yeah. here's the thing. Even if I, if I wasn't the UCF, if, if I hadn't ties to UCF, if I had to write an article at Fast Pitch News, who would be the top candidates for the Iowa job? She would have been at the top of the list. Right. I didn't do it, honestly. I didn't do it because of my UCF ties. I didn't want to burn that up, you know, speculation. But this is not a shocking development. It makes a lot of sense. I know this is a subject that's very sensitive to some people. It reminds me a lot of Scott Frost in Nebraska. It's everything like Scott Frost in Nebraska. It's eerie how close this is to Scott Frost in Nebraska. Yeah. This does feel like uh, it's it's a situation where it's like this is the only job she would have left UCF for. And correct. it came open and it happened. To that yep. to that to that point, Eric, do you are you uh privy to any discussions that might have been had between Renee and UCF once she made her intentions clear that about like did they make any effort to say, like, to try to keep her uh, here at UCF? Or do you know any of those discussions? I, I do not, Murph, uh, mm-hmm. at this time. I mean, this kind of happened quickly. Uh, yeah. All I know is that she was offered the job Friday. Mm-hmm. And she, I think she took it. I don't know what the conversations were in the middle of all that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was kind of waiting to see when the shoe would drop, if you will, quote, unquote. Yeah. Uh, if it would happen. And that was the thing. It, it was weird because the thing that, and you guys know this as journalists, you're being told a lot of different stuff. But you don't really know if it's true until it happens, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that's the risk sometimes we have with our sources. It's kind of like, like, I'll give you the example. The biggest story that was going on in Oklahoma City was Tim Walton 
and whether he was going to go to Texas. And a lot of people were kept getting told, oh, Tim's leaving. He's going to Texas. He's going to go to Texas. They're going to pay him this. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And what happened was he signed a 10-year extension this week with Florida. It turns out that Tim's people used the media, this, and, and this is not a surprise. It's typical in sports. They used him so he can get the 10-year deal from Florida. Hmm. Now, did he have interest in Texas? We'll never know. So you never know what happens until it actually happens. But as far as uh, conversations of her and UCF, I am not aware of it. I am aware that UCF was aware that she did interview at Iowa this week. So I do know that. Uh, but as far as any other conversations, I'm not aware of. What about uh, would, her? Would, oh, I'm sorry, Murph. Go ahead. You would basically say there was no chance that she would stay at UCF. I honestly don't, Murph. I, I got to yeah. be honest. I, I don't think that's the thing. I don't think there's anything UCF could have done. Okay. That would have said no, that would have prevented her from doing this. I don't, because this is the thing. I don't really believe this. This is more a lot of different things in play here. There is family where she has all her family in Iowa. So unless UCF is willing to move everybody to Orlando, I, you know, that's a little out, out there. Mm-hmm. I just think the appeal of moving the family, all of them to Iowa, being close with everybody, all the coaches that she knows up there, Gail Blevins, the Iowa people, and the resources she's going to have there. She's going to have way more resources at Iowa than she ever had here at UCF. Um, I honestly don't believe there was anything UCF could have done here at the last minute anyway that could have prevented this. Now, if you want to have a conversation of maybe what previous administrations could have done and and maybe done some things that could have maybe altered some things, maybe that could be a conversation. But honestly, no, I I just think this was the job. I think this was a job that – was the one that was going to, it was, I always felt like this job or the Texas job would be something that I would always be concerned about her leaving for. And I think Iowa's obviously the perfect fit to be honest. And I think Jeff alluded to it. I think we're lucky that she didn't, you know, they didn't approach her eight years ago. Uh, Cause the Iowa job opened when Gail Blevins retired in 2010. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was concern back then about you know, her name was floated. They decided to go with the assistant coach, in Marla Looper, who was an assistant at Texas, it was a big name program. They wanted to go with New Blood, and it was a disaster hire. She had no ties to Iowa and everything. And I think what happened was this time around, they said we need a proven coach who happens to, and this happens to have Iowa ties, who has to keep the Iowa kids in Iowa. That's been their problem. They have not been able to keep their recruits. They've been beaten by Minnesotas and the Nebraskas and the Michigans. So they need somebody to build it back to what it was 10, 15 years ago. And no one knows that better than Renee because she's very close with Gail Blevins and she knows how that staff works. Um, I got a few questions that I want to follow up on. Um, how, how many years did Renee have on her deal at UCF? Uh, I'm not sure about that, but it's not. A, I'll tell you this. It's not a seven years. Yeah. Is that what she's Which, getting in she Iowa? <laughs> yes. No, that's what I report. Seven you years. Read my yeah. article, Jeff. Yeah. You my well, article. I mean, I saw six somewhere else, and I saw seven. And I was like, I'll trust you, but I was like, but I was like, I was seven years. Wow. I mean, that's yeah. It, it, now it could have been, you know, it could have been. They might drop it to six with an option. I mean, it depends what they want to yeah. do. Um, uh, <clears throat> obviously, salaries are not disclosed, so we can't. So we we don't know anything about that. Um, so so here comes a general question, and I and and I hate asking this because it sounds stupid, but. Uh, it, it bears. It, yeah, obviously, it's the question that you know. As UCF good, people, good, we want good setup. Yeah, and good yeah. Setup. Well, I'm just being honest with everybody here. Um, <laughs> what is Renee Lures Gillespie's legacy at UCF? I think her legacy is a pioneer. I think it's a it's a it's it's a legacy of she brought softball to the state. Let's first of all talk about this. When she arrived at at UCF, college softball at Florida was an afterthought. I mean, you're talking. Florida State with Joanne Graff was competing for, you know, ironically enough, in the Women's College World Series. But other than that, you had Joan Joyce at FAU. They were good teams, but nothing serious. Florida certainly is not what Florida is now. And she helped raise the bar in this state. I wrote about this in Fast Pitch News earlier in the year. She raised the bar for college softball in the state. Uh, the competition got higher. She, you know, a lot of people were skeptical. I remember when she arrived, I was one of them. I said, Psh. College women's softball, UCF. Is that really going to work? Like going up against Jay Bergman's and UCF baseball? Get out of here. Uh, well, guess what? She outperformed the UCF baseball program. 
uh, and gained a lot of fans for it and support yeah. for it. Uh, and meanwhile, you know, she turned him into a top 25 program, brought the best out of Florida because Florida actually, in fact, she beat Florida, Jeff, as you remember, in the 05 regional. They fired their coach right. and brought in Tim And as they say, the rest is history in Florida. Um, so I think she's helped raise the bar. I know she's done a lot of things in the community, in the Seminole County area. They've helped build facilities with softball stadiums. I mean, she's a, she's yeah. she's significant. She should be in the UCF Hall of Fame whenever that is resumed, whatever. And I personally think that the UCF softball complex should be renamed the Renee Lures Gillespie Field. I, it's her I'm, field. I'm glad you say that because I agree with that. I don't know how the previous, uh, how the you know whoever the next coach maybe will feel about that, but um, <clears throat> but yeah, I agree with that and. I mean, of course, you you guys know me. I feel the same way about naming the soccer field after Michelle Akers. But, <clears throat> but um, you know, 18 years. Um, there are some players on her roster who were babies when she came to UCF. Um, so now um, these players are going to be playing under a new head coach. Um, this is going to be the next big question. Who might be on the short list to be UCF's next softball coach? Well, I think that's a question that Danny White's going to have to figure out. Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> you know, not, no, 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 no. You're, you're he's probably he's probably already figured it out. To be honest with you, here's the thing: you're laugh about that, but like I've had people call me today. My phone's been crazy, and I've had people. I've had coaches from across the sport. Everybody's asked me, and I've had to tell some of them. I'm not the one that's actually making this hire, guys, just so you know. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate you reaching out, but you know, feel free to reach the appropriate people. Uh, you're going to so, uh, end up putting Danny White on speed dial. <laughs> you know, who knows, right? Who knows? Um, so here's, here's the thing. I think here's his options. The number one option, and I, th- <clears throat> I think this is the belief uh, that I have, <clears throat> is you promote from within. Trina Preter is the assistant there with Tiffany Jordan. Trina's been a head coach before. She's been uh, at Hampton. She was at Buffalo. Annie White hired her at Buffalo. She's a former SEC All-American player, former NPF player. She just got here in her first year. I think that makes the most sense if you keep the two of them together and you bring in a pitching coach because they've got a great recruiting class coming in, top 30, uh, if you you read some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Great core coming in. And they know what they're into. Like they know what the limitations are at UCF. They know what the cat, you know, what they work with. They know the roster. The players know them. And Renee's coaching style is she lets her coaches coach. So it's not that big of a drastic difference for the players. So I think that's the number one option, in my opinion. If he decides to go outside, this is where it gets interesting. This is a very interesting offseason in the sport. The Texas job, as we record this, is open. Someone's going to get paid a lot of money to be the Texas head coach. It's probably going to be a big name. Whoever that is, is going to leave a marquee job. And so that marquee job's going to open, and that's going to create dominoes. So the problem, that the interesting thing that UCF's going to have here, a lot of the marquee names in the sport are going to wait to see how the Texas thing plays out and what opens up. And I think that's going to be the challenge is that UCF is going to have a lot of competition and a lot of schools now are in throwing money in softball, Jeff and Murph. They're throwing money in softball. So it's going to also come down to what can UCF afford to spend for the next head coach? I think those are some things they're going to have to figure out and kind of go from that standpoint. So it's going to be expensive if you go outside. Uh, I'll throw you a name or two. I can tell you Ruben Felix it would be a name that I would have on the list. He's, he's, he's got UCF ties. Right. You see, he was at UCF under Renee from 2011 to 2014. He's a great recruiter. He's at, at Ole Miss as the associate coach there. But he makes good money at Ole Miss. So it's going to take a good money to get him out there. So that would be one of the other candidates I would throw out there. Um, but that's going to be interesting. It's going to be fascinating to me how UCF approaches this because there's going to be a lot of competition. And a lot of money is going to be thrown. A lot of money is now being thrown in this sport. The sport's growing year by year. The numbers are up. There are one and a half million people watch Florida State win the national title. And a lot of schools now are starting to realize, hey, let's invest money in softball. We could actually make this sport 
a revenue maker. Tim Walton yeah. even mentioned that in the World Series when I was at Oklahoma City pre before the tournament started. And you're seeing that. You're seeing Iowa making an investment. You're seeing Texas of the world making an investment. And here's the challenge that UCF has, and you have written about this, Jeff. These schools have huge TV, the, the, the Big Ten network, the SEC network. They're pumping money into these programs. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the money from the TV deal has to go somewhere. I mean, you can only upgrade right. your football practice facilities so much, and then eventually it does trickle well, down the, to the other right. programs, and we're seeing that in softball. And by the way, if you watch the SEC network, Big Ten network, what do you think they're airing a lot in the spring? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They have, they have big programming holes to fill in the, uh, in the spring with, with lots and lots of softball. That's just, quite frankly, the challenge that the American Conference and Mike Oresco does not have. They do not have that. And, you know, that's, that's a challenge. Um, so, you know, that's the challenge that UCF has to fight with. It does not mean they can't get a great coach, and I think they're going to be fine. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Renee has left this program in great shape. They have a great roster that will be a, a favorite for the American Conference if it stays intact, and they've got a great recruiting class coming in. So with the right coach, I think they'll be fine. But it's going to be a tricky hire because, again, it's not like college football where you can just pick out a coordinator from a Power 5 conference to come to you and give them a million dollars. It doesn't work that way. A lot of college softball assistants are making really good money right now in softball because the sport's blooming. How attractive is the UCF job in softball? I mean, we know how attractive it is in in, in football and other places, but how attractive is UCF softball among the uh, among the the softball community? Oh, it's very attractive. I mean, otherwise my phone wouldn't be blowing up. Uh, <laughs> it's attractive. But, but is Orlando. it is it attractive because it's a destination, or is it attractive because someone thinks if they can make it big at UCF in two or three years, they'll be out of here and go somewhere else? I think there's a it's a combination of both of all of that. To be honest with you, Jeff, I don't think there's one clear answer on that. I mean, there are coaches that are looking for their first opportunity that look at UCF and say, yeah, I could go there and win and maybe go to a power five job after that. It's no different than football. Uh, then again, there's other coaches that feel, Hey, I can coach there and win for a long time. Um, it just varies. Here's the thing that mid major programs have to worry about in softball and, and money is going to be spent in softball. Now they're being spent. Administrations now are investing in softball and I think a lot of coaches are about to get taken care of, so it's not going to be easy to keep a coach like it used to be. It used to be you could just stay at a place for 20 years. That's not the case anymore. So, um, you know, it's attractive because you can win. You're in a good league. And so they'll be able to attract some names, but there are also some questions that are going to have to be answered, and that's are you here for the long run? What about the facilities? You know, UCF doesn't have a video scoreboard. They're the only ones in the state of the major programs that don't. Mm-hmm. Those are, They've those been are thinking about it for a long time right? now. Yeah. So I think those are a lot of questions that will be asked during these interview process, I'm sure. And they'll do their, they'll do their diligence, and um, it'll be interesting to see what they come out. It's going to be unique because it'll be the first time UCF's had to search for a softball head coach since 2000. Yeah. That's <laughs> – uh... That's uh, that's you're kind of dusting off some old uh, Rolodexes there on that one. Um, the uh, so so yeah, that's the story. For, by the way, you want to read more on it? Make sure you hit um, blackandgoldbanneret.com, fastpitchnews.com. But uh, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but um, uh, timetable for a new hire. You think it's going to get done quickly, or are they going to take their time? Yes, I think it has to be done quickly. We're in recruiting season right now, so you better. You want to get somebody in place, I would say, within the next two weeks, because okay. otherwise you're going to lose some commits that you have verbally right now, and that's a big problem. So yeah. I would expect that coach to be named the next week, one or two weeks um, through the process. And, and again, we'll see what the, they decide to do there. And, uh, but, you know, I, I think it, it's, it's, it's a sad day. It's, it, look, for me, it's been a mixed day, obviously. Um, because here's the thing. I mean, with Coach out right now, out at Iowa, I'm technically now a free agent. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, uh, it's done. You know, so it is what it is. So it, it's been weird for me. But uh, I think they'll get a good coach regardless, and I think the program will be fine moving forward. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they handle the program moving forward, and hopefully they take care of the program and like Renee wanted them. I mean, she's put them at, at a really good spot here. 
she has made this job a great job. Uh, and, and that's a compliment to her. Nobody's talking about the Kennesaw State or the Hofstra job, for example, right now. They're talking <laughs> about the UCF job. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. Uh, and when we get back. Oh, you got for me, Murph. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Murph? Where'd he go? He's being quiet. He lost. Murph, where are you? <laughs> All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We're going to go find Murph, and then we're going to talk baseball and the MLB draft. <laughs> when we return, this is uh, the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Stick around. We'll be right back. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, if you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WeSellOrlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, uh, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you. Um, UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. Uh, also follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret uh, for all your UCF news and analysis needs. Um, uh, all right, so we just got done talking about um, Renee Lewis Gillespie leaving for Iowa from UCF softball. Interestingly enough, there was a coaching hire today at UCF. Um, uh, Dana Boone has been tabbed to, uh, to be the new head coach of UCF Women's Cross Country and Track and Field. Interestingly oh. enough, Coach Boone comes from Texas Tech, where she was the associate head coach. And I say interestingly enough because that's where Renee Lois Gillespie was um, before she came to <laughs> UCF. So, so uh, when we lose someone who came to UCF from Texas Tech, we gain someone who comes to UCF from Texas Tech. So, um, uh, so, uh, so Dana Boone will be the new um, uh, head coach of UCF. Um, she coached. Uh, she was a, a sprinting and relay coach at at uh, in Lubbock, um, and. Uh, to, uh, it says here, this is according to the uh, release from UCF from uh, Megan Herboff. Um, at Texas Tech, she coached a pair of relay squads to the NCAA championship in both 2017 and 2018. So, um, and uh, 4 by 400 relay finished 19th in the country, and the 4 by 100 finished 24th. So, um, she's got a number of, uh, and you can check out more on um, Coach Boone. Um, uh, at UCFnights.com, uh, and hopefully we'll get a hold of uh, Coach Boone um, before the season starts up, and we'll, and we'll give her the uh, um, was it the uh, the speed round, you know, where we ask them all kind, where we ask the, any coach we haven't had all kinds of uh, questions about them. So we did that, um, <clears throat> we did that with a couple coaches, uh, and hopefully we'll get that for uh, Coach Boone and whoever the new softball coach may be. I mean, we don't know yet, but we'll find that out. All right, some news we want to talk about, and we'll and we found Murph. He's hey, everybody, I'm back. <laughs> um, 
<clears throat> no, we had a connection problem at like the worst possible time. So that's, but um, <laughs> so I figure I just I, I just want to make sure time. that I just want to make sure Murph didn't get mad or something <laughs> upset as this you know as I was breaking down the story. No, nah, no, nah, it, listen, I I don't think you know. I mean, hey, we're good, we're good. The um, <laughs> so let's talk a little UCF baseball here. Um, MLB draft took place, and six UCF nights went in the MLB draft. Two on day two, four on day three. Um, it, is the, uh, it is the sixth time that uh, UCF has sent at least five players to the MLB draft. Uh, five pitchers went for UCF. Um, to give you some, uh, it, just to kind of go through it, in, uh, in day two, um, Thad Ward and J.J. Montgomery were selected. Um, Ward went to the Boston Red Sox with pick number 160. Uh, Montgomery went to the Baltimore Orioles with pick number 205. Uh, and uh, then the following day, four UCF Knights were selected. Bryce Tucker went to the San Francisco Giants in the 14th round. Eric Heppel to the Colorado Rockies in the 27th. Cree Finfrock uh, to the Toronto Blue Jays with the 29th round. And then the final night taken was Rylan Thomas in the 20, uh, excuse me, in the 26th round. Uh, he was not the final uh, night taken. I'm sorry. Uh, that would have been Cree Finfrock in the 20th. There are 30 rounds in the MLB draft. Rylan went in the 26th uh, round to the Cincinnati Reds. Murph, I turn it over to you. That's six key players from UCF, including five key pitchers. Um, what are the odds that any of them will return next year? Uh, I think the odds of more than one of them returning is zero. Uh, hmm. Certainly, we can we can say that we certainly we can say that 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 Thad and JJ are gone. So is Bryce. He's gone too. Uh, I I think Rylan Thomas should probably stay in the pros and go. Um, I know people are saying like, why would he go? He was you know a late round draft pick. He could help his stock. Well, there's there's a few things in that. Uh, one is he doesn't have much position value at first base. And as already now going into a college junior, unless he going, he'll be a college junior next year, unless he significantly upgrades his stat line, which included a 1000 OPS and a 343 batting average and a good amount of power and a decent strikeout to walk ratio, unless he significantly pushes up that stat line next year he's going to find himself either in the same spot or lower in the draft because when you go back to college for another year, that's another year in which the pros can't use you. Mm-hmm. And so that's also, that's also factored into your draft slot. And look, Ryan had a really good year. I mean, it's amazing. The kid did what he did offensively when really the last month and a half of the season, uh, he was in a bad slump. And yeah, I was going to say like that last month, like how do you think that that affected it at all? Um, I don't I, 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 I'm sure it did a little bit because, you know, when he was batting, you know, 400 and 390 and his OPS is like 1200. Like, it's it's amazing. It's great. So it would help a little bit. But I think what help, what hurts him right now is that he he has a good he has a hit tool. We know he has a hit tool and he's got some pop, uh, but he doesn't have much position value. He does not have much speed. Uh, I don't know how much better his defense is going to get. But in those things he can work on in the pros. What I'm saying is, if he if he comes back and puts up 340 next year, he's going to be in the same spot. So what's the point? Yeah, he can bet on himself and say I can come back and I'll be 380. But like, do you really want to make that bet? Like that's that's difficult. Like it's a really difficult thing to do. So I think if I'm him, I'm I'm just taking what I can get and I'm gone. The only guy I consider to come back would be Cree Fenfrock because you can never have enough pitching and Cree for parts of the season was UCF's best starter, arguably their best pitcher at times. I mean, remember down at USF, he outdueled Shane McClanahan to an extent. Um, McClanahan fell in the draft, but at the time McClanahan was, was considered a top 10 prospect. Um, and so friend Frock was very good. And I think he can do better than the 29th round uh, with his sort of fastball off speed mix. I know he's short, He's not doesn't have great size. And he's coming off of the labrum surgery, but he looked good after the labrum surgery. He had no ill effects once he got into the swing of things. Um, and again, like you, they will always value pitchers more than position players. So if he can come back and have another good season, I think he would help himself actually. 
The um, yeah, I was worried about the injury with him. The, um, in, and uh, one other point about Ryland Thomas is if he does decide to leave, he would be in the Cincinnati yeah. Red system. Their double A affiliate is the Daytona Tortugas. So there's, you know, I mean, there could be a possibility that you know Ryland Thomas may be back in Central Florida sooner rather than later if things work out that way. Um, mm-hmm. What about in the rest of the draft? Was one of the concerns that I think a lot of fans have is. Um, high school prospects for UCF um, getting picked off in the draft and, and, and going and going into um, pro baseball. Did that happen at all? Well, I did see that CJ Alexander, uh, who's coming over uh, from, I think, I, I believe, yeah, junior college, the uh, state college of Florida, Manatee, Sarasota, Florida, uh, CJ Alexander is the third baseman uh, commit. He got drafted in the 20th round by the Braves. I would consider, uh, you know, he'd, he'd probably still come to school. Um, but again, I don't really, it's, it's tough. It's tough for me to say that's sort of like in a, in an area where it's like, nah, maybe he can go, maybe he can stay. Um, but I didn't, I, I have to find who else, if anybody else got drafted, not that I know of as far as commits mm-hmm. uh, were, were swiped, but um, I, I can do more digging into that. Um, interestingly enough, so. CJ Alexander said 23 hours ago on Twitter, can't wait to start my professional career with the Braves. Well, there you go. It sounds like he's, it sounds like he's out of here. He's, he's heading, he's, he's going to, uh, uh, God only knows. Gwinnett it can, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's right. I mean, it can go either way. I, I remember, I'm kind of remembering, uh, was Brody Wofford, I think was like an eighth round pick. Like somebody, was a pretty high pick, and I believe was it Brody? As I'm looking here, he was a Brody Wofford was a 14th round pick by the Reds last year, and he decided to come to UCF. Um, so I mean, again, he was another junior college kid, and he decided to go come to college uh, for a four at a four year. So I mean, it's 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 up to the kid whatever he wants to do. Brody, you know, may may look back on that, <laughs> may look back on that and be like, I could have could have gone in the 14th round because he really had a tough year last his first year here. This is a t- see. Th- this is the part about we talk about the NFL draft, the NBA draft all the time. The, the MLB draft is the one that's is really tough on these uh, on on you know in terms of the players making decisions, right? Because yeah. you have to weigh this really tough decision: Do I come back to school, or in in one case, go to school and try and better myself, or do I just take the money and run? And I don't know, man. This is the, the, I, I can't even fathom like having to make that decision. In the other sports, it seems like this decision, that decision is pretty. That decision is made for you. Like you get drafted, you go. Obviously, but mm-hmm. baseball is such a different animal. Can you shed some light on just how difficult a decision that is for you know a college player or a, or even a high schooler who might be heading uh, to college? Right. And then there we've had things where, you know, we have high high end high school guys who get drafted, still want to go to college, either because they want to go to college or because they think they can get even higher. They can improve their stock even more with a a couple of years in college and come out and be even a better draft pick. I think there was a kid who was going to be a first round pick this year uh, in the MLB draft coming out of high school. And he decided, I believe, to still go to college at either Louisville or Auburn. It's, you know, some of these kids just want to go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not always a bad idea. It is a difficult situation, especially when you're drafted outside the top ten rounds. See, if you're if you're in the top ten rounds, you should you you should go because then you're open to that bonus pool money, which at the, I think the very least is like it's, it's at least six figures. It's like one twenty five is like the lowest slot value for a tenth round pick. Um, so like JJ, the slot value of his selection was like two hundred thousand or less than two hundred thousand. And I think Thad was, was up around near 300,000. So if you're in the top 10 rounds, you should go. The decision is if you should come back once you're outside those top 10 rounds, you're not really open to bonus pool money much anymore. And, you know, then it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a decision that each player has to make. And it's really hard for me to sit here and say, like, well, you know, he should really come back or whatever. He should really go. I'm expressing my opinions, but – I really wouldn't begrudge these kids either way because I think in the end, at the end, they had to talk it over with their families and decide what's best for them. Um, you know, I think the the biggest stink or the biggest controversy is Rylan Thomas with, you know, should he come back? Well, you know, and people saying yes. And I would say no. 
it's a difficult decision. If he wants to come back, great. I mean, I'm sure this team will take him because the, the way this team is looking, they need they they still need a middle of the order bat, and he we know he can be that. Um, I just don't see how professionally he could really help his draft stock unless he has not just a better season, but a significantly better season. So, um, but again, if he decides to come back, good for him. But it is going to be a decision. Uh, a healthy number of players from the American um, were selected in the draft. The top AAC player taken was uh, Alec Baum, the uh, third baseman from Wichita State. The Phillies took him third overall. He's a good ball player. I, you know, we saw him in Clearwater. Big kid, six foot five, over at third base. Very good hitter. Um, Shane McClanahan, who you mentioned earlier, the lefty from USF, got picked by the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, interestingly enough, in the first round as mm-hmm. well. Uh, some of the other names that um, that heard their names called Grayson Genesta, the first baseman from Wichita. Uh, Tim Kate, the lefty pitcher from UConn. Grant Witherspoon of Tulane. Dwayne Williams Sutton of ECU. Um, from USF, David Villar. Uh, went to the San Francisco um, Giants. P.J. Poulan with uh, um, with UConn and Zach Susi. They also went in the 11th and 12th round, respectively. Um, Trey Cumbie, you had a, another left. You had a great year last year with uh, with uh, Houston. Uh, also went to the Tampa Bay Rays and uh, just looking at Coco Montez to the Colorado Rockies. You can see all this on uh, the American.org. But um, good year for the American uh, in terms mm-hmm. of talent, I, would you say? I mean, we saw most of these guys at the tournament, and for them to you know, hear their names called in the first, like you were saying, in the first 10 rounds, that's a lot of, that's a lot of talent heading out the door um, for this conference, or at least possibly heading out the door. Yeah, I mean, well, they should, uh, all of them, if they're t- their first 10 rounds. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, when you have a kid from Wichita State being third overall, which yeah. I, thought was a, I thought was a little bit of a surprise, like I think I think Alec Baum is probably definitely he's a top ten prospect to say third is is quite a lot, but it's sort of like you know hey if the Phillies like him then why not yeah. like they're not going to be able to pick him in the second round. Um, it's five, by the way, you, five Wichita State Shockers went in the first ten rounds. Yeah, and That's I think you, like even even like I think right after Trey Cumby there was Aaron Fletcher who also had a tremendous year at Houston. There's a lot of guys, um, but you know it, it's a good for, it's definitely good for the conference. Is it? Make a dent either way, probably not. It, you know, it, but and and I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna sit here and say like, well, this the conference is gonna be down next year because of all the talent that left this year, like that, that that just doesn't happen. So the conference will be fine. It was a nice little feather in its cap to see one of its guys get taken third, but it doesn't really move the needle. Will UCF be fine losing all those pitchers? Oh boy, uh, that's gonna be a, a really tough question to answer as we sort of go through here in the next. Uh, few months because you know bullpen is really important to this to this coaching staff and they really relied on their bullpen this year especially when you know the, Joe Sheridan went down and then you had Chris Williams had a shoulder issue so they really relied on guys like JJ Montgomery and Thad Ward and Bryce Tucker and now all those guys are gone Eric Heppel's gone too Cree Finfrock who started the bullpen then went to the rotation might be gone as well and so you're going into next season just looking at the pitching staff of what they've got returning. Uh, you've got Chris Williams, who is very good this year. Not overpowering, but he's stellar. And you've got some some good bullpen pieces, uh, Garrett Westberg. But you also need guys like Jalen Whitehead to step up and uh, Jackson Clare. You could probably see Jordan Spicer moving in the rotation. Jordan, Sp- I'm surprised Jordan Spicer didn't get drafted like in the late 30s somewhere because Jordan Spicer is a guy that maybe everyone was maybe everyone was was just assuming that he was going to come back to college anyway. So why waste a pick on him? But he's got the stuff to be a really good pitcher. He had a really, really bad year. And I think there's, there's parts of that, that Greg Lovelady will admit is mental. Uh, how he handles the mental game isn't great right now. Uh, but you know, he could slot in the rotation, but considering what he did in his first year, he doesn't exude. He doesn't give you a lot of confidence to that rotation. So you've got Williams and, and, pro- and probably uh, Spicer in the rotation. And then, you're not gonna have Joe Sheridan at all because he's probably gonna be out for all of next year with a labrum tear yeah. and a rebuilt and a rebuilt bullpen that's gonna miss uh, guys that gave them a lot of innings like Thad Ward and, and JJ Montgomery were not one inning two inning guys when they were coming out of the bullpen they're throwing three or four and five innings like those swing guys are really valuable and they were dominant and so uh, this pitching staff's gonna have a lot of questions coming in next year. 
The uh, screamers on the message board are always complaining about how, well, how is it that you can have five players drafted and go 0-2 in the American Athletic Conference tournament and not make the tournament? Can you please dispel all of that and inject some reason (laughs) into the conversation? Very, very simple. Very simple. (laughs) Baseball, baseball is bleeping weird. It's, it's a weird sport where it's open to so many vagaries that and it, it just look at look at the tournament. Look at the one seeds that fell. Florida State was two and Q. He, they were gone. I'm not, and Florida State is still like you can look at it on paper like they're one of the best teams. In the, in, in, they're one of the best teams in baseball. We know this, but they got caught on a bad weekend. Like it was a bad weekend. This UCF team was flawed. Should they have been better than 0-2 in the conference tournament? Certainly. Like, that's why they were, top, they were fifth seed. They should have won a game. We know this. But sometimes things just don't break right for you. Like, it's just baseball. It's real random. It's strange, weird, and that's why I love it. But that's what happens. Like, move on. Yeah. That's, wow. Man. Move on! See, see, now you're starting to sound like Lopez, like like getting after the fans a little bit. I like it. <laughs> well, it just people people don't understand baseball. It like bothers me. Like, look, it's a weird sport. Like, it's like yeah. you're trying to hit you're trying to hit a small ball with an equally small bat. It's a round bat. It's a round ball. It's traveling ninety miles. It's traveling hundred miles an hour and who's moving. The guy said, who's the guy who said the ch- the challenge of baseball is that you have to hit a round ball with a round bat squarely? Right, exactly. And it, by the way, that ball is moving, and you have about two to three, two to three tenths of a second to judge it, to either not swing at it or swing at it, and then you have to judge your swing, and then and it's just come on, guys, yeah. come on. Ted, baseball is weird. That's a Ted Williams mind. quote, by the way. I just got to correct myself. The the, sure. the hardest thing to do in baseball is hit a round ball with a round bat squarely. Ted Williams. Yeah. So, and anyway, carry on, Eric. Oh, right. No, and I was going to say. I mean, there's like a million rounds in baseball. So I mean, just because you have X amount of guys drafted doesn't. Like Florida's got, they usually get about eight to ten guys drafted. Uh, Stetson, who you covered, Murph recently, they're gonna have. A, they had a few guys drafted. I mean, everybody yeah, has Logan, to get drafted. I mean, it's not like there's a big gap. Yeah, Logan Gilbert obviously was a top twenty pick for a top fifteen pick for Stetson. I believe Jack Perkins, uh, another starting pitcher, was a top fifteen round pick. Brooks Wilson uh, was a top ten round pick for Stetson. Like they, they had a lot of guys drafted too. Yeah, I guess if you want to look at it the other way, like. How could a team? How could a team that you know that didn't have a player taken in the first five rounds of a draft, you know, not win a game in a tournament? Well, kind of easily because they didn't have a top five round talent. But that's a that's a that's, a that's a that's a stupid way. But again, that's a, I will also clarify that's a stupid way of looking at it. That's a stupid way. You shouldn't you shouldn't do that because it's stupid. So don't. Wow, he is fired up. I think we finally we finally broke Brian the first time this year. <laughs> I know. Normally, I'm the guy that loses his mind. I know. Uh, You're the one who Murph. like I'm like God. You know, I'm I'm like ready to hit the I'm ready to hit the dump button. You know the dump button. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Right, uh, Murph. That's I want to ask. That's a dumb way of looking at it, and you're dumb for looking at it that way. <laughs> wow. There you go. Uh, no one is no one is made spawner by your accusations. By your by your observations, yeah. Go ahead. Let, us, let, me, let me ask you, Murph, about the player that played against UCF that has not been brought up, and that's Mr. Kyler Murray, uh, which was a big yes. topic. I was at Oklahoma City covering the Women's College World Series. He was a hot topic for obvious reasons. What was your reaction as he went ninth to Oakland and kind of uh, give us an idea? Because I, I was impressed with him. You saw him up close. Uh, your thoughts? My thoughts were, wow, the A's really liked that kid. Because because they're being I mean, really nice to him. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, we all thought that Kyler's probably had you know first round talent, but was it you know what, was it were the were the worries of him going to play football going to be too much to push him out of the round? Not only that, he didn't fall out of the top ten, so you know they love him. The, the issue is now like you know he's going to go play a year. For Oklahoma, like that, this has been agreed to. The like A's a year of football. know it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the, yeah, yeah, excuse me. He's going to play a year of football for Oklahoma. The A's knowingly drafted him at number nine uh, with, with, with the knowledge that he was going to play football. And they have, they're allowing him to do this. Not only allowing him to do this, they've already given him a contract of around $5 million. Uh, now, you might be asking yourself, as I was too, and we were before the show, and I've looked it up. How can a kid who's been drafted by a pro team and is now making $5 million be eligible to play college sports? 
Well, that's because one NCAA rule allows a player to go professional in one sport while still maintaining eligibility in another. Now, it doesn't allow you to profit off your own likeness, but it does (laughs) allow you to play pro sports if you still want to play college sports in another area. So Kyler Murray is eligible to play football this fall, and he will. And from all intents and purposes, it sounds like he will play this one year, and then after this year is over, he will then start his pro baseball career. But in between now and January, he's going to be taking a lot of contact, which I think is going to make Billy Bean squirm in his seat every Saturday. I mean, how do you? It's it's an amazing like Bill, story. Billy Bean not, does. Bill, if you watch the the Moneyball movie, you know that Billy Bean doesn't even watch his own team's games. Could you imagine him? Yeah. He's not. He's he sure as hell is not going to watch the Oklahoma football games. <laughs> and look, this is the A's paying five million bucks to a player, which is not something the A's really are want to do. Like the A's paying for, and they're paying it to a guy who isn't going to play baseball for a year, and he's not going to be sitting on the couch. He's going to be getting mauled and hit. By guys who are two ninety five and six five, like it's, it's you know he's not a and Kyler is a he's a solidly built kid, but he's not a very big kid. He's about five eleven at best, um, and he's gonna open himself opens up to a lot of hits because he runs a lot. He looks like Johnny Manziel on the field, um, and so every single time he takes a shot in Big Twelve football, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens because the A's are taking an amazing amount of risk here, but they seem to be okay with it because they've already given him that money. Well, so the, fiction, the fictional question. character what? Peter Brand says that he gets on base. That's why. So anyway, go yeah, ahead. there you go. Well, that's probably it's true. He did get on base a lot against UCF when I saw. Oh, him, yeah. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. Does he have an agent? Like who signed the five? Like, does he sign his own five million dollar check? Is there an uncle? Like, that's the other thing. Like, where does the money does go? <laughs> yeah. Right. Does it, does it go in a trust? Does, do they <laughs> stuff it under his his dorm mattress? Like, what do they do? <laughs> I don't know the answer of like, does he have an agent? And now as I, as I fervently Google Kyler Murray (laughs) agent into Google, this is live podcasting folks. As I, yeah. Uh, We're really putting you on the spot here. (laughs) I know. Right. No, it's just a fascinating Uh, loophole, isn't it? It is fascinating. Can you, the only things that, for all the things the NCAA doesn't allow its players to do, it allows them to go pro in a sport. (laughs) (laughs) It's wild. Let me ask you this, because you saw a lot of UCF baseball up close in person this year. Uh, and you were at the American Conference Tournament, and you were at the Stetson Regional. Yes. Where does Kyler Murray rank? Who's the best base college baseball player you saw this year? Uh, boy, that's a good, that's a good question. I, I, Kyler Murray is the best hitter I saw this year, and that we saw quite a few of them. We saw Jonathan India from Florida. Yeah. And Alec Baum from Wichita State. Remember, Wichita State, not only played, did they play in Clearwater, Wichita State came here. They played a yep. series here as well. Although I think I missed a few games in that series. Kyler Murray, that weekend against Oklahoma, was was unbelievable. Like, Love Lady admitted after the series, like, he's the best player on the field. It doesn't make sense that a guy who plays pays attention to baseball half of the year is the best player on the field. But it was. It's true. I will say this, though. Going up to Stetson and watching Logan Gilbert pitch against Oklahoma State, now, Oklahoma State is a flawed team that swings and misses a lot, and they, they try to launch the ball a lot, and Logan Gilbert took advantage of that. But watching him pitch uh, in, the, in the regional here was pretty phenomenal. And, like, if you needed a, a – if there, if there was a game which determined or locked up a player's value, that was that start. I, I believe in 15 starts this year, he has struck out uh, double-digit guys in 10 of 15 starts. Uh, he has not allowed a earn. He has not allowed more than like two earned runs in a start, maybe all season. And then he goes out against Oklahoma State and just does it on that on that regional stage. I thought he was probably the best. It was probably the best performance I've seen anybody this year. Uh, Kyler Murray being the, Kyler Murray being the best hitter I saw. Um, I found this from uh, DallasNews.com. Uh, MLB teams are allowed to communicate with prospective draftees throughout the process, but neither the A's nor Murray have commented on any future plans at this time. Another potential wrinkle is that Murray's uncle Calvin works for notoriously effective agent Scott Boris. Uh, Um, It's widely expected that Murray will sign with Boris when the time comes. In baseball, the NCAA allows prospects to align with an agent or advisor to help negotiate pro contracts while maintaining collegiate eligibility. How did he let? I mean, I, I and look, I, I hope know, I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that he's able to do that. 
But considering the amount of draconian rules that 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 persist <laughs> over the NCAA, like how is that a how is that a thing? How is this a thing? How do you? Yeah, I mean, it's the, that's the loophole. That's that's by the, that's according loophole. to. Uh, um, I'm sorry. That's according to Spencer Davis, uh, who covers Oklahoma, uh, the University of Oklahoma. Go ahead, uh, Eric. Well, no, what's fascinating, too, is he could use this for leverage to get the starting quarterback job at Oklahoma. I mean, it wasn't like it was guaranteed he's the starter, but like if he doesn't get the starting job, he could just leave the program. It'll be interesting to see how he sort of fits in that that locker room. I mean, not to yeah. stir anything up, but like it is a, it is a wrinkle that that Lincoln Riley's gonna have to pay attention to. Boy, we've really gone full Oklahoma now, haven't we? I'm talking about Lincoln Riley. <laughs> oh God, uh, we we always we've go now on lost these, our we, audience. <laughs> we always go on these. We always go on these offshoots. Like remember, we went on an offshoot a few weeks ago about like NFL rules, and here's one about Oklahoma Sooners football. Um, like you have to address it. Like there's a guy in your locker room who's going to be making $5 million. Like he's got a $5 million contract. Lincoln Riley's making three and a half. Their starting quarterback is legitimately making more money than the coach in college football. Could you imagine how that so, conversation um, goes? Hey, listen, Kyler, um, listen, we're not going to start you. I make more money than you coach. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, maybe you should go do that. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, there's a, it's a, it's, a, it's another wrinkle that uh, boy, if you're if you are writing for uh, the Oklahoman, uh, you're having a fun time this fall. It's going to be an interesting camp. Well, like you say, Brian, baseball, it's weird. It's weird sport, guys. It's weird. It's, it's weird, guys. All right, let's uh, let's wrap uh, wrap up with a couple things. Okay, first of all, uh, we we delayed the bannies a week. We're going to have over the next two weeks our nomination show, which will be uh, next week. We'll record that, get that out, and then you, dear UCF man, will have one week to vote on the uh, to vote on the winners. We will do it via Twitter. I will also post an article with all the Twitter polls that are up there uh, and set them all to close at the same exact time so that you can um, so that you can vote um, straight down the line. Um, <clears throat> Eric, uh, we'll start with you. What do you have coming up this week? Well, I got to do a record a fast pitch news podcast. I'm gonna have to talk about that Iowa new head coach. You know, so we have to talk about <laughs> her a little bit. In fact, uh, geez, I wonder. I need a UCF perspective. Somebody that maybe was around the program before. You know, at the beginning of the program that knows Renee. Any ideas, Jeff? Anybody want to? Anybody want to come on my podcast? You want to come on? I don't know, man. I mean, you know, I mean, you, uh, Brian, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I met Renee a few times at baseball games. She seems like a lovely woman. <laughs> oh, that's true. She yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll go on with you. I'll go on. It's no problem. There we go. So there you go. Breaking but, news, folks. Jeff will be making his debut. Fast pitch the, news. We have we fast pitch news. Uh, you just you just you just had yourself uh, an editorial meeting right there. So cross, there you go. Cross, Cross branding, cross branding. Here. That's right. Cross and um, this. That's right. So I got a lot of different hats. So. Obviously, I'll be recording that this weekend, and uh, obviously, I'll be following not just obviously the UCFA coaching job for obvious reasons, but I'll be following who's going to be the head coach at Texas. And uh, so, it's a lot of busy time in the offseason. Uh, glad to be back from Oklahoma City, where I just spent a week in women's uh, covering women's softball and people talking uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma baseball and Kyler Murray stuff. Yeah. But uh, follow your stuff in, uh, in 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 Oklahoma City. It was amazing stuff. And, uh, of course, you were happy that you got to watch Florida State win the national championship. Well, I'm friends with Lonnie and their coaching staff and uh, Travis Wilson, if you want to look at another candidate for the UCF head coaching job. Uh Oh, uh, so, you know, that's uh, it was fun. (laughs) Now, now, look at this. Now he's just throwing names everywhere. Like, you you know, it's kind of part of my job. In fact, (laughs) somebody has to. I mean, you know, Uh, somebody somebody has to be a part of the uh, the the. The college softball Twitterati, as it is, something like that. But yeah, no, I'll be. Co- I mean, that was a blast to cover that event up close, uh, packed house, eight to ten thousand every night. It was a, it was a really blast. It shows the growth of the sport, and you know, to go full circle. I mean, that's why Coach Gillespie ended up, you know, part of the reason why she's at Iowa because I was investing and making a major commitment to softball, and and that was something that she couldn't pass up. She would have been crazy to pass it up, to be honest with you, and. You know, we're excited for it. We're sad, but we're excited. And, and again, UCF will be fine. So, But we'll be monitoring what happens the next couple of weeks with that. And who knows what I'll be doing? What else? Who knows? It's going to be weird. How about you, Brian? What do you got? Well, if, if the listeners remember what I just said about 20 minutes ago about UCF baseball, I'm going to be trying to put that in a written form. 
uh, a little longer, a little more flushed, a <laughs> little more fleshed out uh, with not as much vitriol in my voice. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be doing that because I, I there's not a whole lot else to do. <laughs> I'm not usually this angry. I'm usually supposed to be the voice of reason on this podcast. But when people say stupid things about baseball, it really it grinds wow. my gears. Look at that. How many He's times have def- said the word defending stupid? the honor of stupid. baseball? I love it. Um, it's a it's a it's a drinking game word now. Eric's got <laughs> idiot, and and I've got stupid. Apparently, it's, how's I, Aaron Boone doing with the Yankees? By the way, well, they're up three to one in the eighth, and he's doing pretty well. And, you know, maybe that maybe the Cavs should hire him. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I will be uh, starting my first uh, deep dive into uh, some advanced statistics uh, this uh, this coming week uh, with UCF football. We're kind of doing a little bit of UCF study hall, if you will. Um, on uh, taking a look at some uh, advanced statistics having to do with uh, uh, possessions and possession results for UCF football heading into uh, 2018. So wish me luck on that. I'm going to have my head buried in some um, Excel spreadsheets on that. God help me. You love that, though. I, yeah, I know. I can't it. complain. I, I'm 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 such a nerd for that kind of stuff. So you know, yeah. And looking at looking at possessions and looking at box scores and actually play. I'm actually getting into like the play by plays and stuff. I'm trying to go back to 2013 <laughs> on everything. So we'll see how how that all works out. All right, fellas. Thanks again for joining me. Uh, I know we were late on it, but you know, obviously we yeah. had. Uh, uh, we had so you know Lopez had Lopez told us to hold off on you know because he was embargoing All breaking right. news on us whatever. Um, thanks to you for listening. Thanks to uh, once again our friends um, at the uh, Unger Real Estate Group for their uh, support. As always, they've been uh, great supporters for us. Sam and the crew. Um, can't thank them enough for, uh, for helping us out as they have uh, all year. Fellas, thanks to you uh, as well. So we'll be doing the Banny Awards uh, 90s next week. You guys are both in for that, right? I guess it's my I'm first in. time, oh, so I have no idea what's—I <laughs> have no idea what's happening. <laughs> well, it'll be—it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Everyone's gonna have a blast with this. Trust as long me. as my phone has stopped blowing up by then, uh, I should. Sounds like a plan to me. All right, uh, for Brian and Eric, I'm Jeff. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com, UCF underscore banneret on Twitter, Facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week for the Banny Awards nominations.